This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. That's it. Uh, hey, quick shout-out to those doing a tough in lockdown. Uh, I know there's a lot of people around the country that are in various stages of lockdown. In fact, I heard today that 20 million people in Australia are currently under some kind of lockdown or restrictions, so... Uh, yeah, I hope you're uh, hope you're doing well wherever you are. Hang in there. Hopefully, it'll get better soon. Particular shout out though to the good people of Darwin, Thomas, mm-hmm. where you and I grew up, going through their enduring their first lockdown ever, I think, this year. So, uh, well, since COVID. So, yeah, shout out to everybody up there, including our sister Joe. She sent me a message the other day. She said the temperatures dropped to 14 degrees overnight. We're freezing up here. So. Mm. Cold and in lockdown, Thomas, at a chilly fourteen degrees. So, not going to get much sympathy for the uh, for the cold from the south of Australia, but still, uh, definitely for the lockdown. So, yeah, hang in there, guys. Hopefully, we'll get through it soon. Um, we'd look, we'd love it if you could go and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, I did find this one, Thomas. You might enjoy. Mm. Over the weekend, uh, someone named Adam actually mm. left us a review on podcastselfassessment.com. Uh, the review was. <laughs> Adam is relentlessly entertaining. Four point five stars. Thomas like listening to grass grow. Uh, One point five stars. So um, yeah, that's a bit scathing. Unfortunate for you, um, but yeah. Please, if you do, if you are enjoying the show, maybe you want to jump in and, and defend Thomas and think that perhaps he didn't get what well, he might be worth a bit more than 1.5 stars, then head over wherever you can leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Or you can email us, uh, cve at equitymates.com or the website equitymates.com forward slash cve or send us a message on Instagram and Facebook CVE podcast. But all that Coming up, big show today. Thomas, we've got a, a skills shortage in Australia and in America, but we're taking very different approaches to solving it. This one I love. I wrote this headline. You're going to like this. Can blockchain become the building blocks for building buildings? <laughs> we're going to discuss that a bit later on. Gold. And we're going to find out whether Aussies are, in fact, the richest people in the world right now. But first, before we get to all that, Thomas... Darwin is dealing with COVID, they're dealing with freezing conditions. I also hear the port of Darwin is under siege. What's going on? Uh, I think you, you've misread the show notes. No, they're talking about seizing the port of Darwin. Ah, right. So no no Stephen Seagal? No, he won't be making a show. Ah, there. No. Poor 
<laughs> What's happening? Uh, so the National Cabinet has directed the Department of Defence to review the contract uh, for the management of the Port of Darwin or the ownership of the Port of Darwin. Like I think, so Lambridge is a Chinese company and it has a 99-year lease on the Port of Darwin. 99 years? Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's handy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why this 99 thing is. I think back in the 1800s, they just... They said 100's too many. No one's... They, they made a rule, a decree, <laughs> as it would have been back then. <laughs> Nobody, hear ye, nobody's to give out 100-year leases. And they went, all right. I think they probably just... 99. And three digits in the column for lease length. <laughs> back then, it's kind of like the 1800s version of Y2K. Just yeah, could, couldn't like handle it. Excel version point zero one. So, so this was awarded like in twenty fifteen or something. Um, and at the time, Obama was in in power in America at the time, and it, it raised the eyebrows of our allies. Are a bit like, well, I don't know if you want to be giving out strategic assets to strategic competitors like China. But back then, mm. but back then, it was a very we had a very different relationship with China. We, we were best buddies, and China was our economic future. And so it was seen as a sort of a reasonable, well, I don't know. No, it wasn't enough it was seen as reasonable, but it, it got through anyway at, at back at the time. It was a little bit like it was the trade minister, Andrew Robb. Mm. He negotiated the free trade agreement with China, was the trade minister, and then retired and three months later took up a consultancy with Lambridge and helped <laughs> them get, get a hold of the port. So that was seen. He got a 99-year contract. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's hard to turn down. He had, he had no idea it was coming. Yeah. But they just threw a 99-year contract in front of him, said, what do you reckon? Mm. Would you mind joining us? Mm. Okay, oh, you've talked me into it. You've twisted my arm. Yeah. That sounds dodgy as hell, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, even the even the Liberal Party it, it, uh, kind of turned on him a bit after that one. I mean, there's that sort of re- revolving door of politics, which is pretty dodgy anyway. Mm. Um, that was a particularly egregious example. So there's a, a company, mm. a Chinese company, they now own the Port of Darwin. Mm, mm. What does that mean to own the Port of Darwin? They, they control, they get a, like a, people have to pay them like bundles of cash to move things through it. Is it, imagine, I'm just picturing like these mafia controlled ports <laughs> that exist in like Detroit or where, oh, in Steven Seagal movies. Waterlocked. <laughs> Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> what was that show? The Wire. Oh. It was all about the ports and the, the, the mafia or whatever, right, controlling right. the ports, the gangs. That was the unions. Ah, difference. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Whole other story. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's no there's no allegations of wrongdoing on Lambridge's part yet at this stage, right. but the sort of the general view is that in, when it comes to Chinese companies, while they're independent and privately owned to some extent, they're all state-owned enterprises to a degree. That Chinese power mm. has the ability to inf- the China, the Communist Party has the ability to influence and control and draw information from these companies, and so a Chinese company managing the port is sort of not that different from the Chinese government managing the port. Our port, though. Like, this is this is the big thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not just, they're not just managing a port. It's Australia's port at the, the, the gateway to Asia, <laughs> as it's been built. Yeah, and the US was like, you, you guys know we've got a marine base there, right? <laughs> <laughs> not so hot on this idea. Right. Yeah, so... So the Department of Defence has launched this inquiry. The Lambridge Australia CEO is out saying, "Oh, this is, this is 
appalling form. We haven't done anything wrong. Department of Defence has never raised any concerns with us. Is that because the the relationship soured so much now? Like, yeah, totally. Is that is that that why the concerns are coming? Yeah, I mean, it, it was seen as like borderline problematic in 2015 when we were best buddies. Now we're quickly moving to strategic competitors. Uh, mm. It's seen as you know really problematic, and so I would expect uh, the way it would play out is that that we would seize that lease back. That's what we're talking about. They would seize the lease back and go, yep. Can we do that? I think so. The federal government controls the laws of the land, so we just step in and say, yep, no, that's not happening. We'd have to pay them some money or something, wouldn't we? Like, you can't just break a lease. I think you can in in your own country. You You can do whatever you want. (laughs) I guess. The the thing that the the CEO is talking about is this idea of sovereign risk, that if it breaks the lease Mm. with uh, Lambridge, that it'll create sovereign risk. And sovereign risk is the idea that... When you're trading in a particular nation, if the laws of the land aren't strong and stuff like this can happen where the government steps in and breaks a lease, then you've got sovereign risk and your companies don't want to invest because there's a risk that the sovereign steps in and mucks stuff up for you. Ah, right. That's that's, that's the idea of sovereign risk. And and he's saying that'll create sovereign risk. But I don't think anyone would see that as a problem. Like it's pretty clear why Australia would be doing that. It's not a a whim, you know, it's not a... (laughs) The reasons for that are pretty obvious. Yeah, we just want our port back so we can export wine. Yeah. (laughs) That'll be the next step. Well, the thing I love is that Andrew Robb, who negotiated this whole story and started this Mm. mess, he he got up at Beef Week in Rockhampton. I don't know why he was there. (laughs) We got up and... Well, who wasn't there, Thomas? That's what I asked. Everyone who's anyone was a beef week. Yeah, so he's got up, a, uh, he's got up and said, "Yeah, it's probably fair enough to take it back. The times have changed." Yeah, I, I never envisaged a ninety-nine-year lease running that long. To be honest, <laughs> well, when we when we set it up, I thought, uh, "All right, very good." Um, just quickly on that, we had a uh, we had a, a message come through on Instagram CVE podcast um, from Nick. He said, "Keep up the great work, guys." Um, he had a question around. He said, "What are both your thoughts about Australia trying to move away from its reliance on China, and what are the chances of our success?" Success. Nick, I love that the question was nice and short, but I feel like the answer could be enormous. Mm. Um, but I do really appreciate that you asked for both yeah, of our yeah, thoughts. I noticed that's, that too. That's, that's, that's really nice. I, th- I think this is the big theme for, for us this year and going forward. Like, There's two big themes, money printing, heaps of money, and the transition in the Australia-China trade relationship. I think that they're the big stories for Australia. So we'll, mm. we'll keep coming back to them. Right. So you didn't want me to answer? I was going to say... Uh, 70%. <laughs> All right, moving right along, Thomas. We've got lots to get through. So there was another big story during the week. There's a new blockchain solution mm. for tracking what goes into a building. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I think KPMG have launched this. It's It tracks uh, all the inputs, the full supply chain, it sounds like, that goes into building a, a building, particularly like a high-rise tower, so that that can mm. give so you can give buildings a rating and people can assess their their safety and their trustworthiness yeah so this is, this is a big story this has been going on since the grenfell disaster in london where that that fire we've had a number of high rise cracks and building faults emerge right. here in australia had the big it's timely too with the with the tragedy unfolding in in florida at the moment yeah yeah um, in miami you know the building building collapse over there yeah massive but- um they're still still pulling people from the rubble sadly enough so hopefully mm. 
yeah, I guess anything that we can do to to strengthen buildings and and make sure that you know mm. that we understand them better is going to be a good thing. So, how how does blockchain fit into all this? Oh, uh, look, I don't think it you does. I, mean, I love me some blockchain. Yeah, what? No, I don't. Well, it doesn't. There's a whole story. The the headline I came up with was blockchain is the building blocks for building buildings. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah, I mean KPMG have put this whole process on the blockchain. So right, but. I think this is a case, so like you said, it's on the blockchain, so you know that the information on the blockchain hasn't been touched and tampered with, and so that, you know, helps improve the trustworthiness of the system. But hmm. often with blockchain, it seems like it's it's a solution in search of a problem. And one, of, and one of the challenges it has is that at some point you need to sign off on the integrity of the information going into the blockchain. Hmm the old shit in shit out problem yeah 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 so, yeah 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 so you can you, the blockchain tells you that, that the information hasn't been changed since the time it was entered but you, then you still yeah. need something to tell you that the information that went in was what it what went in and and this is what we're seeing in australia with some of the the building problems that we've had is that the the materials that were used weren't up to the grade that they were some say that was we, we were importing building materials from China. Where there was a big story a few years ago where the materials were rated at a certain grade, but then when they get there, mm. the builders realise that actually they're not at the grade that they were rated at. And what are you saying that what they just used them anyway and said that they were that grade, or they? It's it's hard to like a lot of these building problems. Like it's there's it's hard to know where to pin pin the blame, and and there's a lot of finger pointing going on. And so the builders, the construction companies, are saying like, well, we used what we thought were good materials, but. It might be the case that, you know, the rating systems in China weren't up to the grade that we thought they were or that was mm. one of the stories that emerged. Or it might be the construction companies themselves are saying that they're doing something or other but then they're actually not. The, you know, the cladding was rated at a particular fire grade. Turns out it's not that not that great. So at some point you need to sign off on that stuff and, and blockchain just doesn't, doesn't help that. Like it's, yeah, it's garbage in, garbage out kind of story. Mm. Um, and you still need, you know, it seems you still need an a central authority monitoring and enforcing this stuff and, and checking that, you know, when, when a company rates their steel at a certain grade, that, that it is what it, they say it is. Yeah. Well, they, they said it's the, this, this solution is to keep a central repository of all documentation created during the life cycle of a building, which seems kind of anti-blockchain, like, and, like blockchain is all about decentralization and spreading it out. Like this whole notion of a central repository just sounds a lot like a database. It's a database, <laughs> right? It's a database. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's immutable, right? No, like they can't, they're saying, you know, no one can alter the database later on. So that's, that's something. Um, the ASX is involved in it too, apparently. Yeah, they're running the, they're building it or something, aren't they? Yeah. They're all about the, the DeFi now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Decentralized finance. They've they're got a lot of irons in the fire. Mm. No, it could be good. I mean, it could be good. I think it's it's good at least to explore these solutions. You know, if it only solves one problem, mm. which is is the accountability side, mm. then at least that's one problem solved. At least someone can't go in later and change it and go, oh, well, we didn't do that. Or, well, yeah, that's right. It's it's potentially useful, and but it's interesting. Like like they're meeting KPMG are meeting the market need, and the market needs coming from insurers. They're saying like we need a, a system to be able to rate these buildings because mm. all these problems are coming up, and we don't know the risk that we're facing. We can't. It's hard to underwrite against because we don't know the risk. We don't know the quality of the buildings and the materials involved. So that's that's the need that they're trying to meet. I'd be so good. Like you could do it for your house, like for when they build houses. Mm. So. You could ha maybe you could save on like building inspections if you know what's in your house mm. for the I don't know the parts in your car. 
could apply to food. We could find out yeah. what's in a cake. We might finally under, uncover the greatest mystery in the world of what's in a Chico roll. <laughs> be, we could use blockchain to solve age-old mysteries like, like that. So. Uh, yeah. But the, but the point is the blockchain doesn't do that. A central repository of all that information, a database does that. A blockchain is a type of yeah. database. It's Maybe that's nice. Well, it is nice. It's more than nice. I feel like <laughs> now that we've heard your opinions on building... <laughs> On uh, on construction materials, which I'm I'm not saying you're not an expert in, but I've got a fairly good idea that you're uh, it's not your forte. <laughs> Before I let you wade too deep into the underlying blockchain technology and the value of centralized databases, <laughs> I'll just stop you there. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, like you, what the p- whole point of blockchain is? It cr- is it creates the capacity for decentralized databases, right? But this is a centralized database built on blockchain. Like, why? What's the point? Well, I don't know that it is. I, I haven't read anywhere near enough detail to, to know. But I don't think it's as... I didn't get to the end of the article. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Curse you, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> You've granted my attention span of a newt. All right. Um, look, we've got a couple of other things to get through. So we'll, before we do that, we'll grab a short break and take a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more after this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back here on Comedian vs. Economist. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, CVE Podcast. For now, though, Thomas, we're talking about a skill shortage in not just Australia, but the US as well. And we're each taking a very different approach to addressing that skills shortage what are they doing in the US? Yeah, so I mean, this is this is something as as our economies start to ramp up and heat up a bit, we're seeing this in the countries that are doing that, which is most of the developed world now. Uh, and we're seeing, yeah, skill shortage emerging. We're complaining; people are complaining about that in Australia, um, complaining about that in the US as well. But yeah, different approaches. Here's what Joe Biden had to say about it. Asking me, well, you know, guess what? Employers can't find workers. I said, yeah, pay them more. This is an employee's 
employees bargaining chip now. What's happening? They're going to have to compete and start playing hardworking people a decent wage. And pay them more. <laughs> <laughs> That's creepy. He's, yeah, he's... He's gone very kind of Darth Maul or something. Why did he do that? I don't, I don't know. I think it was like, I've got a little secret for you. It's it wasn't like a cheeky little secret, though. It was like, a, don't tell your parents. <laughs> it was kind of sinister. Yeah, it's kind of hard to follow. Like, the transcript of that's all over the place. It's sort of hard to, hard to figure out exactly what he's saying, but... Yeah, but the central point he's making is that, that companies should just pay people more and that's a good thing and he's sort of staking his – that is one of the achievements of his administration is that he's created the conditions where people can get paid more and he's encouraging the firms to pick that up and pay people more. Um, and that should you know translate through into wages pressure, which should translate through into retail spending, probably high house prices mm. and that sort of thing. Uh, in Australia, though, we're sort of going the opposite direction. We're trying to lean into wages. What, what does that mean, lean into wages? Well, sorry, lean into the skill shortage, I mean. And, right, okay. um, there's a, there's a skill shortage. The Morrison government added 22 occupations to the skill shortage, the skilled immigration list. So there's a list of right. occupations that you need to uh, qualify for a skilled migration visa. There's 22 new occupations now. One of those is a chef. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we need chefs. We do need chefs, yeah. Yeah. You know what a, what the median chef salary is? No. $43,000 a year. Is that right? Yeah. No wonder they're so angry. Yeah. I know. Who would be a chef? <laughs> so much work. Apologies to the chefs. I'm sure they're very nice people, but certainly portrayed stereotypically as like angry chefs. I think Gordon Ramsay didn't help you at all, to be honest. Yeah, it's high, it's high stress. There was a lot it's- of other jobs, though. There was... Tax accountants, internal and external auditors, mm. electrical and petroleum engineers, prosthetists, <laughs> multimedia specialists, software programmers, ICT security specialists and chefs. And they're calling it a war for talent, mm. which that would have to be the most dull and boring war in the history of war. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a war involving accountants, internal and external auditors, electrical and petroleum engineers, prosthetists, multimedia specialists and software programmers... that's a tough that's a tough that's a tough season to get through on netflix um so essentially the the u.s are kind of saying look push push wages up Mm. pay people more and give give more people in the u.s jobs Mm -hmm. we're taking the other the other tack and we're saying look let's bring more people in from overseas to fill those positions yeah Understandably, it's been a really hotly debated issue. In fact, we've got some audio here from some of the very robust discussion that was taking place at the National Cabinet during the week. They took our job! They took our job! They took your job! They took our job! They took your job! Sorry, any, any excuse. You had some Biden serious kind of... Hasn't Barnaby Joyce really lifted the tone of the discourse since he's got back? But it's, it's, actually, it's actually a legitimate point. Like the, the strategy here is the idea is that it's a, the, it's a jobs market. It's a market economy mm. for, for labor. In America, there's pressure for, for workers. That's pushing the price of workers being wages. It's pushing the price up. In Australia, mm. that, that competitive pressure is pushing the price of wages up. The response is to bring people in and push the price back down. I think it's reasonable for people, like if you're a chef, right, and you're a chef and go, wow, mm. I can I can kind of pick my job right now and wages are rising and, oh, hang on, there's all these people coming in 
these chefs that are being imported to keep my wages down, I think mm. it's reasonable to be a little bit annoyed about that. Yeah, I agree. Same story with accountants and prosthesis. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's just, it just but it just speaks to a different different sort of agenda and a different attack approach to it and. Yeah, and so, so I think like, you know, with the coalition government is sort of talking about wanting to see wages growth, but they're not that deeply committed to seeing wages grow. They would rather wages keep down and they're willing to lean on the immigration levers to do that to keep wages down. Because are there some other kind of um, problems that come about through wages growth? I mean, you know, we, I think we talked about that last week, didn't we? Is it inflation grow, goes up if, if wages get out of hand? Yeah, it can, it can, but we're so far away from that level. Like wages are growing at 1.1%. Uh, mm. As we're saying, Phil Lowe is saying you need to see wages somewhere in the three to four percent range before you get inflation of two point five percent, two to three percent. Mm. So you know, you know, we need wages growth to triple before we get inflation that's considered ordinary. Mm. And so you know, there's no there's no need to sort of lean against wages right now. Mm. Yeah, and so it's not such a drama. I mean, what it what it does does is it sort of shifts the balance of of the profit share more in labor's favor away from capital and business owners you know so maybe there's a you know where you sit on the political spectrum depends how you how you feel about that yeah fair enough well um you know just looking at that list again multimedia specialist sticks out to me that seems like a fairly broad when you talk about prosthetists like I mean, I, I understand what a prosthetist does yeah you know but you look you look at you look at the data on on the people working skilled migration visas the average salary is something like 60 60 to seventy thousand. so it's not really? yeah so it's not like it's sort of like a, you get it if you you know super skilled labor coming in at 150 to two hundred thousand k per annum jobs like mm. it's just you just no one's got the skill for that but you're talking about a chef or a multimedia specialist that's the thing about like when wages grow up that encourage you can use you can use tiktok and snapchat <laughs> coming in just over here thanks we've got a just just would you like the chef to cook you a meal? <laughs> but, the, but the way the market should theoretically work is wages go up and then that encourages people to go like oh look if you're a multimedia specialist you're earning better money i'm going to study to be a multimedia specialist and the market sort mm. of adjusts and balances but all of that gets sort of distorted when you're just importing importing labour to fill fill the gaps and and stop wages growing. So you don't you don't develop the in-house skills and the infrastructure to build those skills because you're meeting wage pressure with with the immigration lever. But it'll be won't it be hard anyway because because of COVID and and restrictions. I mean, universities are going through a really tough time because they can't get any students. Mm. Like adding more people to the list doesn't mean more people can come in. They just be like, well, yeah, it does, can I come? No, you can't. We can't <laughs> let you in the country, I'm afraid. But yeah, you're just aspirational. You just added my, oh, I'm an electrical engineer. <laughs> so, I know, you're on the list. We've got you right here. We've got a job for you. And everything. We just can't let you in. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're well, talking about wages growth and, and people, you know, earning an income. Apparently, Aussies, turns out, are the richest in the world. According to a recent survey, yeah, recent recent study by Credit Suisse says that yeah, we're the world's wealthiest people. Really? Yeah, median median wealth of two hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars. So that's the fiftieth percentile. Uh, three hundred and fifteen thousand mm. dollars Australian is the average net wealth. Mm. Median, yeah. Median. Yeah. Oh, so that, what's the difference between average net wealth and median wealth? Uh, average is what an average is. Median. <laughs> <laughs> You can't explain average by using the word average. I mean, I know what, yeah, 
you can't dumb it down anymore either. I appreciate <laughs> that. But yeah, a, med- a median is the number where there's fifty percent of the population below and fifty percent above. Right, gotcha. So an average average is distorted by your high income earners because they add to the total more, and so that pushes it up. But median g- gives you a figure of what what's the actual middle number. Right. So three hundred fifteen thousand. That doesn't that doesn't sound huge in the scheme of things. Like if you if you own a house, you've probably got that. Yeah, that's what I would have thought too. Yeah, this, this doesn't seem huge. I mean, I, I think it probably says. I think I think we we don't realise how skewed the wealth distribution in the Australia as as much as not as in most of the developed world really is skewed low. Like there's a lot mm. of people, you know, a lot of people, fifty percent of the population with wealth less than that. I guess I guess you'd also yeah, have true. to divide households by two. You know, like thinking about our situation. Like our work, like, we don't live together. No, <laughs> <laughs> you owe me half. <laughs> no, like my like my wife and I, we would have because we own our own house. We'd, our wealth would be you know above that. But then when you break it down, hmm. split it. Then but most it, people who own a house don't, don't own it yet. You know, like I've still got a yeah. Mortgage. That's right. That's right. It's not so I not part of your net wealth. But I, it's good news that we're, we're richer than Switzerland. Yeah, suck it because ah. Oh. Like I don't, not that I don't like the Swedes, uh, the Swiss. Sorry, but <laughs> how many more people I can offend in this show? I've offended multimedia specialists, chefs, <laughs> both the, the Swiss and the Swedes in one go. <laughs> no, but you know how you always hear everything's amazing in Switzerland. Like if there's ever a story about someone doing like a pioneering school program, or like they've got a there's a new approach to to work about it down to like 3.2 hour working weeks or something and they're just as productive as, as everyone else could work in, in in a fortnight they're doing it in 3.2 hours and they got Roger Federer Roger, just talk about your overachievers he had two sets of twins Roger Federer yeah wow because he can because he's Roger Federer yeah. so it's just yeah it's nice to it's nice to get one up over over Switzerland mm-hmm. that's all I'm saying yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm with you on that for sure yeah, a couple, a couple of other interesting things that financial assets such as shares comprised about 42% of Aussie's gross assets, uh, which is below the typical level of a high-income country of 55%. So, yeah, we're, we, we skew towards housing pretty heavily with our wealth right? Um, and away from shares. And the other thing that Credit Suisse noted that Aussies have a lot of their share, por- share portfolio in Australian equities, which he said was about franking credits. And so we don't have as much exposure to overseas markets as other nations. Yeah, right. I don't understand franking credits at all, mm. but I don't. Oh, I kind of don't want to at this point of the show. Yeah, no, it's pretty late. <laughs> so why don't we leave franking credits for another mm. another time? Although I'm pretty sure, actually, the guys over at Equity Mates Investing Podcast have covered franking credits before, um, or maybe even as part of the Get Started Investing series. So um, go and check that out if you're interested to know more about franking credits and general investment information. But that does us for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. We really do appreciate guys taking the time out of your day to listen to our little show. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it and we look forward to talking to you again next week. We'll see you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. 
For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 